Welcome to Moving the Rock. Whether sales is all you do or only part of what you do, the strategies and tactics of success can often feel split between two realities. You can become someone you're not to earn the recognition and praise of people you don't respect, or you can try to figure it out on your own, knowing you'll underperform your potential. We're here to offer a third way. The idea that you can't have success without compromise is just wrong. You don't have to compromise to win in the long term. You can play the game in such a way that you win in the short term and the long term. Through our hard lessons learned, we can shift your way of thinking and create a better way. I'm Chris, founder of SightShift. And I'm James, founder of Florist Group. If you're tired of the status quo, we're here to help you move the rock on your career, your business, and your life. Welcome. Chris, I'm reminded um, of a story I often tell. It was uh, the end of the year, um, top rep worldwide already. Nobody could touch me. I was 330% of my number. Uh, got a call from a client who wanted to rescind a deal. Um, it was not going to affect my standing at all, but I took it as a shot um, to my pride. And I had my boss who I admired and the global VP of sales who I wanted to impress, right? They were like, what the hell is this, Jimmy? And they, uh, they, they invited themselves to the call that I was going to make to that client to save the account. So not pressure, you know, not pressure on, from an income perspective, but pressure from a pride perspective and two people I want, really wanted to impress listening in on my conversation. So do you think at that moment I gave a shit about the client and what he wanted? <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Then that's what it's all about today, right? This this idea that we we compromise something and we don't see we see this result or we don't see this result and we, f we find the, the struggle within and it's making me think of the worst failure moment in all of my sales experience oh, ever. So, uh, I was proposing to my wife for the first time. I get the ring on her finger and she starts crying and she goes, can you take it off? <laughs> and I was terrified. I, I, I was stunned. I had a buddy staying in the, my apartment and I called him and I was like, I'm coming home. I had driven like four or five hours. He's like, I thought you were proposing. And I was like, well, I did. And it didn't go well. But you know what, man? We're married now, 20 years. It worked out. But this whole idea of what's happening inside of you, what are you paying attention to, uh, has so much application for us in that moment, you with that moment in sales and what it means to, and I love how you say it, it's just direct and true, walk the talk. Yeah, yeah, that's today's topic, man, walking the talk. So the reason this is important is I have a firm belief for anyone listening who's walking that path from beginner to pro to master in the context of selling or leading salespeople. You know, you get what you deserve, right? You have the customers you deserve, which to me means you have the ultimate accountability for either the, the, the happiness and the wealth and the success that you achieve or the stress and constant negotiations, constant price pressure, constant um 
you know, hemming and hawing and putting off deals and not signing contracts, all that shit that you go through when you deal with a customer who has that scarcity mentality, who's racked with complacency, who isn't sure what they want to do, who can't see the value what you offer. Uh, believe it or not, you created that situation by virtue of the way you showed up to the world. And this is a this is as close to a scientific fact as you can get. It's the same thing as thinking about you sell the way you buy. If you uh, negotiate for pennies on every deal that you make, guess what? You're going to meet those people when you sell. If you're complacent and um, you're walking that complacency curve and uh, you've got that fixed mindset where you'd rather stay where you are than change, then walk that path of curiosity, guess who you're going to meet in your career? Dude, that's painful to hear though. I mean, if I was hearing that and I wasn't in my best mental state, if I was hungry or angry or lonely or tired, and I heard you say, I have the customers I deserve, I would want to push against that and defend myself and fight against it. And it's it makes me think about what we joke about, your vibe, that uh, this may feel scary, but it's good for you. <laughs> and that is, that's some strong medicine to take. That's some medicine that you don't want to take, but if you can take it, it could change everything. So how do we begin that journey of walking the talk so that we can see uh, who we are and, and the results that we're getting and start to own all that? Yeah. Well, I mean, so today's episode is really about looking in the mirror and thinking about personal improvement, right? So we, we've talked about this idea that people buy when they're ready, willing, and able to change, how ready, willing, and able to change are you? We talk about this idea of people buying value. How interested are you in buying value in your own life? Or how uh, much time and effort do you put into seeking and delivering value in your life? Uh, we talk about this idea that um, everything that's born is born for growth. How much do you contribute to your own personal growth? What kind of investment do you make in that? Um, and of course, this it all comes down to this idea of curiosity. How curious are you? And where does that lead you? Where, does that, where do you allow that to lead you? Uh, it's really interesting to me. Here's an example. Um, when I walk into an organization that is struggling with um, a a marketer an industry that's putting pricing pressure on them, competitors who are selling their stuff cheaper. What do we do, right? Because either you join your competition and slowly put yourself out of business by commoditizing your company, or you find a way to sell value. Uh, but organizations that um, that play that pricing game, that can't see the value in their business, um, are run by people who can't see value in other parts of their lives, right? It's not just, it's just not a, it's just not stuck in that business. It's not a function of that business. It's not something that's thrust upon us. It's something we create ourselves. And the first thing I have to tell that organization is, look, you are responsible for commoditizing your business, not your competition and not your customers. It's how your salespeople show up. It's how your marketing shows up. It's how your branding shows up to the world. So the first thing you have to do is change your mindset. 
and rethink how you calculate value. Yeah. Well, and for me, that's the perfect way that I would say it. the leadership journey is is the same, uh, same principle, just different wording. The beginning of walking the talk in the leadership journey is not trying to manipulate people into a result that you want, mm-hmm. but it is a, it is a, it is a stated, honest expression. And I remember, you know, 20 years ago being a leader who uh, was better at manipulating into a result than a direct, honest expression of need. I didn't want to admit need. I didn't want to open myself up to strong, clear action of desire and what I'm asking you, the customer or participant, to take as a step. Instead, I wanted to try to persuade you into it. And uh, persuasion matters still, but when persuasion let out, I, I came to a place, and I still remember it. I still remember it. Sitting at a desk, watching another leader be manipulative, and watching them talk that person out of what they really wanted to talk them into something else. Now, how much does that happen in low-level mm-hmm. sales? And and watching that person lose who they were, get confused, feel discouraged, walk downcast out of that meeting, thinking at some level then they must be wrong. And I thought, oh my gosh, I don't ever want to do that to people. And so that beginning stage of growth happens when you start to say, like, this is who I want to become. I don't know fully everything, but I don't want to be that. And so I think for people listening to this, it's understanding that's a great starting point. I'm not for sure everything that I want to be as I'm this kind of person that walks the talk, but I don't want to be that. I don't want to be a person that manipulates or pressures or competes on price. I want more. I want something more than that. Right, right. And you want to be more than that manipulative person. Most of us do, right? So back to my story, um, I did reclose that deal, but I hung the phone up, burping up stomach acid, feeling like crap. And that was the that was the moment when my behavior uh, affected my physical well-being so much that I had to finally say stop after 15 years of perfecting that manipulative approach. Um, and I had to relook at my life and you know, take account for it. And I'm still <laughs> accounting for it. But the challenge then for me was, how do I become successful in sales without this manipulative approach, without showing up and mirroring everybody that I meet and being who they want me to be and um, putting myself and my body th- through the stress of really um, being like a ping pong ball, kind of bouncing from deal to deal and person to person and personality to personality. How do I create a structure, a mechanism for thinking about showing up in a way that's consistent with my core values, yet effective in driving exponential growth for my business? Beautiful. What comes to my mind is that's the pro. The beginner is starting out saying, this is what I don't want to do. The pro adopts a method that protects their authenticity and their integrity, which is why I love the wins model that you have, because as a model, it protects your authenticity and integrity. Because as much as you are being transformed and you're this this person you want to be, they have a saying in the Navy SEALs, you don't rise to the occasion, you sink to the level of your training. And when you are training yourself along the lines of a method, a method becomes ingrained. It becomes in who it becomes who you are. In leadership, I had to create templates. 
I had to create decision-making heuristics and questions and things that I would use to gut check and protect myself. That's that beginner to pro transition. They're putting themselves through the paces. They're memorizing the plays. All of those things that their body then goes into with the practice of routine and, and, and habit when they are not at their best, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And so, dude, that's the stuff. Get the method down. That's the stuff. Well, it's interesting, interesting too. So let's start with leadership. So we oftentimes talk about sales as a leadership competency. Why do we do that? Because principally, if you don't, if you are just going to sit back and take an order, you're not really selling, you're order taking. You could be replaced very easily by a website or a catalog, right? Um, sales is a leadership competency because as a leader, you're going to move someone to change. Now, that idea of moving someone to change may, for many people, evoke images of manipulation, right? My job is to get that woman who's wearing white gloves to open a bottle of ketchup, right? I mean, that's the one of the old sayings or, you know, sell snow to somebody who lives amongst it, right? So it's like, how do you think about sales in a way that's healthy and productive? The idea is, as a leader, I'm going to help move you to change, but not because the change is something I want. It's because it's the change that you want. So I show up first thinking about what is your goal? What is your desire? What is your mission? What is your vision? And then I, then I ask you, what, how do you calculate the impact of success, failure, or doing nothing? What is your definition of value, right? W plus I equals V. What is your definition of value? And then I ask, what's missing? Now I'm asking those three questions, wants, impacts, and needs, because that's defining your problem. And then in the midst of asking those questions, I am now thinking, well, can I help you? Do I have anything that at, at my disposal to help you? And this is me as a leader, right? It's much easier to lead people who have a problem that I can solve than leading people who have a problem I can't solve. Chris, yeah. that person you were talking to, they were manipulating that person because that person had a challenge or an issue or desire that that leader couldn't solve. So what did that leader do? They whipped out the guilt, the manipulation mm -hmm. to get them to move in the direction they wanted them to move in. The same thing that salespeople do. If I can't help you, I'm going to manipulate you. Yeah. And, and, you know, the thing about it for all of us, they, they, they have a saying in the medical community with uh, like heroin and crack and all that. People that go, I can do it and I won't get addicted. Well, maybe you didn't get addicted to this once, but you haven't met your molecule. Um, and somebody who's listening to this going, eh, you know, I would, I'm, I'm such a, a pure hearted person. I would only take care of people well in sales. Well, you haven't met your stress point. You haven't met your burden. You right. haven't felt that feeling that you and I, I know, have felt many times where it's like, oh my gosh, this is what I got to close this week to take care of my family. And when you, I mean, I can remember like uh, doing my meditation sessions in the sauna and, and going, what? I, I mean, I got to close 7,000 the next few days and I'm really going to cover you. Know, right. the, the pressure and the stress of that in the moment. I mean, I've shown up to speak at places and known if somebody doesn't come up and want to work with me, I'm hosed. And when you show up that way, if you don't have a mode of being, a, a method, an approach 
that protects you from your worst moments, you haven't met your molecule. You haven't met your circumstance that's going to tear you down. You haven't met your circumstance that's going to challenge you. And so the pro move there is to get that in place, that protection, that accountability by understanding I want and this is why I'm such a fan of it, I want to use a method that walks me through my own process of change, that can walk them through a process of change and make sure there's alignment on that. So I can slow this down, as you would say, and make sure that this is where we're at and what we want. Um, Man, dude, I'm getting excited because I think even as we talk about it, my mind is connecting it to even more application for for how powerful it is to get sales out of a personality-driven approach into a process of change. Now, there's still the master level, which we'll get to that, which gets to the more unique uh, tailoring to each specific individual. But it's so easy to trick yourself and think. And it's usually the people that are going to kill at sales that overestimate their talents and abilities and the, uh, the potential that those talents and abilities have to rescue them from any character compromises. Right. right? Have you not seen wow. that to be true? Wow, man, that's, that is, uh, yeah, that is something. But you know, I have, as you're talking, I have to also think about the responsibility of the sales manager or the sales leader, right? Because sales is one of the easiest places for a leader to fall into that manipulative approach when they're dealing with their team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, especially if you know when my dad was selling, so he was at Allstate Insurance being trained to sell insurance, property and casualty insurance, the day I was born, right? So he mm. he was so he's been selling as long as I've been alive. And he was a top rep right away. And um back in the day, what what there's tactic was to hire you and then tell you, look, I want you to go get married. I want you to go get a house and I want you to go buy the most expensive car you can possibly afford. And that was how everybody was brought into the business because they wanted you hungry. They wanted, so the, the manipulation began when they hired you, right? Fascinating. <laughs> so that's, that's going to so move you. Not, I'm not going to move you. I'm not going to inspire you as a manager. My job isn't to kind of be your mom or be your dad. My job is not to develop you. My job is to whip out the carrot or the stick and manipulate you to mm. perform like, like, a, like, a, like any animal in the circus, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. drive 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 and then they're not empowered they're not developed like you said i'm not i'm not developing you um i mean i had a text from a neighbor at our last house a few nights ago and just said can i call you and and wasn't able to get out get with him for a few days and and was able to and i mean you know these this is a family that our kids grew up together and played in the backyard together and they we play this backyard baseball and i'd grill like crazy okay i'm gonna get too nostalgic here point of all that is (laughs) he's taking a new job he's in sales and um you know he and he you could tell this in the way that he talked about his his staff and his team he cares for them like family he thinks about them like family. He wants to help them grow and develop. Right. And and I think, you know, if you're if you're trying to make that transition from beginner to pro and really understand how to walk the talk, it's almost always an effective guide to ask, what would a healthy parent do in this situation? Mm-hmm. How, what would a healthy parent do? You know, whether it's a sales conversation, but specifically applying it to what you're talking about, Jimmy, with the sales manager. If the sales manager can ask themselves, what would a healthy parent do in this situation, right? It gets out a lot of the unnecessary pressure and BS 
you know, a healthy parent wants the best for their kids, but they also know if I force this change on them, I'm going to hurt the relationship. I might be right in this moment, but hurt the relationship long-term. There's some subtlety, there's some nuance. And ideally, if they're the sales manager, it's not just that they're the best at hitting their numbers, but they're the best at understanding character, walking the talk, being persuasive, being influential, getting an agreed process of change together. However, you and I both know, oftentimes the one with the best numbers gets promoted, not necessarily the best, best capacity and skill. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. It's that example we talked about a few episodes ago where, you know, how crazy would it be to go, hey, look, Tom Brady won a bunch of Super Bowls. Let's make him the head coach. Like, <laughs> what a stupid thing that would be. Right. Well, so, so let's give, let's give, uh, let's give some insight into what we can do. Um, and I want to bring this together it, with a common, uh, let's start with a commonly known paradigm, right? This idea of growth mindset versus fixed mindset, because it'll help set the stage, right? Especially in the context of sales and selling. And by the way, you'll see the if you're looking for it, you'll see the connection back to what Chris was talking about in the context of leadership and parenting, right? It's all the same thing. We all have, a, it's sales, leadership, parenting, they're all the same because as a leader in any of those situations, um, I am taking responsibility for the well-being of the person that I'm dealing with. So when we approach that role with a growth mindset, growth mindset by definition is a belief that our abilities can be developed, right? So that we are not stagnant. We are somebody who can change. We can learn. Um, it's not about the talent we're born with. It's about the um, knowledge, experience, practice that we can develop as a curious human being, right? So success in that model is about seeking and learning. It's about cultivating curiosity. It's about asking questions, which again comes back to this idea of think of the best sales experience you've ever had as a buyer. It was most likely with somebody who asked you questions. It allowed you to express who you are, where you are, what's most important to you, and then had exactly what you were looking for and could walk you down a path to exactly the type of change and growth that you were seeking. Which is so much better than the approach that I think I had put in my head and heart early on, uh, which is I've surveyed the world. I know what you need. I'll talk, you listen, right. and say yes. Curiosity is the opposite. It's asking questions and it's saying, you know, Yes, at a deep level, uh, for them, what do they need? Where are they at? As as walking through the winds, but also for ourselves. Like, am I am I doing this from a place of truth? And that's the shift to to mastery. I mean, like curiosity is the guide through all of it. But at at the mastery level, you know, I was doing this this morning. I remember I was laying on the floor by the fire. It's it's dark. The sun's coming up, and I, and I was asking myself this question. Is there something right now in my life where I'm I'm violating my conscience, where I'm not living my truth, where I'm not, you know, in, in a simple, pure way, returning back to to who I know I really am as a leader? Because that's the quest. The quest is every day you're coming into a greater acceptance of who you are as a person, who you are as a leader, how you show up with impact. And when you live that and you walk that talk, people in a sales experience with you, and and this is gonna sound crazy. To, to people that are listening to this, but I know it won't sound crazy to you and and you model this and live this, the sales exchange can be a transformative experience. Like 
it can be something that we walk through this process of change, this curiosity, these four questions, and clarity surfaces, which is why I think what's so unnerving about real, healthy, effective selling, as you've outlined in the WINS model, it surfaces a lack of commitment or lack of clarity. Right, right, right. Well said. And and so I think for people listening, you know, you might be asking, well, well, this all sounds wonderful, right? Like I want some of whatever you guys are drinking or smoking, you know, just in terms of like, it works on a podcast, but does it work in the real world? And the answer is absolutely yes. Um, I can, I can imagine someone saying, well, look, those are not my clients. My clients could give a shit about the questions I have for them. They know what they want and they're going to tell me, they want to tell me what they want and they want the best price and they want me to get out of their way. And what I would say to you is, what are you doing wasting your time with customers that you don't want? Mm, mm. There's one what? of the Jimmy questions. Mm. I mean, the only way that you can create a fit where one doesn't exist is to be manipulative. Either they're mm. going to manipulate you or you're going to manipulate them. Why invest your time and effort? The whole the whole beauty of this is that you should act like a leader would act. A leader would not hire people that will make their that would make their lives miserable and harder. They won't hire people that are such a poor fit for the organization that the leader now has to wake up every day thinking about how to motivate them to do their work. The leader is going to bring people on the team who are who share the goal of the organization, who share the goal of the team, who want to be on a championship team, if that is the ultimate objective. Oh. And then we'll, we'll do whatever it takes to be successful. That's it. And and I want to encourage people and say, look, if you're putting yourself out there and you're trying, that matters. That's awesome. We're just saying like, you know, here's how you advance and you can advance like crazy, but you are on the wrong path if you're advancing in a skill of talking people into something and not exploring with curiosity these questions because it goes back to your beginning story that then, you know, we're burping up stomach acid <laughs> and, 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 you know, no doubt, no doubt. Can we just be honest about this? There are people listening to this that are, that are younger and earlier on and going, not me, not me. And then at some point your body is going to be like, Hey, Hey buddy, you haven't been listening I'm going to do a little coup. I'm going to form this little coup and it's going to show up in different ways. And then you are going to listen. And I'm amazed at how, uh, you know, at this mastery level, like you learn to start paying attention to a little knot that starts to form in your back because you just made that little compromise. You made that little rush. You know, you didn't stop and slow down in that moment. And uh, the body's a crazy guide on these things. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so how do you know if you're, if you're operating successfully or not? Right. So this idea of look at your behavior as a salesperson, um, like the leader who only hires folks who fit the mission of the organization and who are going to be happy, productive employees, you have the ability as a salesperson to use that first stage in the pipeline qualification, right? To qualify people in or out of your pipeline. But in order for you to do that, you have to know exactly who you want on your team. Who do you want in your pipe? Who do you want to work with, right? What is your definition of your ideal or your always buyer? And you're reaching who you are. And that's what you've been saying. 
you're reaching right. who you are. Right. When is, has there ever been a moment for you where, cause we live this now and we believe it and we breathe it and we see the reality of it. But has there ever been a moment where you looked up and you were like, Oh, this is a little bit off or a lot off. Uh, I need to do this. How can I get back on track? Or, you know, I've got one example. It wasn't a misalignment of customers, but it was just like, I had one giant customer right? Mm. Way too much of the business. And I remember thinking and feeling that and owning that and going, okay, this is a problem. It's not a problem now. It'll be a problem later. This is not where I want to be. And it started making some changes and thankfully was able to see that happen. Um, You know, so, but, you know, thankfully who I am is is who we reach. What about for you? Has there ever been a moment like that? Man, there's so many, so many examples like that. You know, you made me think of um, something that's happened. It ha- it's happened to everybody who's selling for a long time, right? You, you, um, you come across a customer who wants to buy from you for whatever reason. Like they're the, they're your always buyer. They love your brand. They love your product. They love you. Whatever it is, and the experience is super easy. They make it easy because they're the ones bringing the energy to the relationship. And then you become lulled into this false sense of, wow, I'm really good. The next one's going to be just as easy. And then what happens? We allow ourselves to forget about the lessons we learned, forget about the process we perfected, forget about the questions we've asked. We allow them to lead the buying cycle, we kind of step back and let it roll because, hey, it's going great. And why not take the easy money if I can if I can get it? And then we begin degrading, right, our skill set. We begin thinking that um, this is what life is going to be like. And then guess what happens? On the next deal, the very next deal, you skip steps. And reality slowly one loss after the next, after the next, or one negotiated discount after the next negotiated discount, all of a sudden you have this crappy pipeline, you have this crappy experience and you have, and you're sitting there wondering what the hell caused it all. It's because you allowed yourself or, and I've done this myself, you've allowed yourself to be kind of seduced by thinking that um, somehow the process doesn't matter. Somehow you've you found the magic vein of gold. It just, it's an illusion. So you're ringing the bell too much for me because that is exactly, that's such a, that's, that's a master level application of this idea about not walking the talk. Uh, you deviate from the process of, from a character-based way, guiding people with curiosity through these questions. And then you start to, to get lulled. I love that verb. You, 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 because that is exactly what happened to me at one point. Um, I got lulled and it was easy. And then I was waiting on things to happen and like, holy cow, that is awesome. I love that. That's exactly what happened. And, and the pursuit of mastery meant I want to learn how that doesn't happen. And wins has been so transformative for me with that. But I, as, as I was thinking about it, I was thinking about where that misalignment occurs and what you just blew it out of the water on is that misalignment isn't just the wrong customers. That misalignment is a pipeline that becomes 
something that is a hope and a fantasy and a wish because you get lulled. You lose that edge. And we don't want to lose that edge. Right. And if your manager, your leader is the carrot stick leader who, again, has that fixed mindset because all they can do is tell you what to do. It's not about developing your talents. It's about whatever you bring to the table is what you've got because they view you as this fixed thing, right? And they view the world as a zero-sum game. Either you're a winner or you're a loser. Like my boss that year, right? January, uh, December 31st, uh, he says, Jimmy, don't forget, um, tomorrow, right, you go from, you go back down to zero, right? You go from hero to zero. And that was his only advice to me. So if you have a leader who puts pressure on you and and makes you think that life is, that sales is about, that your worth is, that is based on that carrot and that stick, and they, and they kind of cultivate you to have that reactive uh, fixed mindset, then you're going to look at world the whole world, your job is a zero-sum game of winning and losing. You're going to lose sight of the process, the steps that get you there. You're only going to judge yourself based on wins and losses. You're going to be back on that roller coaster, back on the yo-yo, and really in a bad place. That's the place that I was in. Mm. The, the other place is playing that positive-sum game, not the zero-sum game, the positive-sum game where um, we ask the questions to seek areas of value that we can deliver to folks. We treat sales as an exchange of value, not a competition or a battle where only one survives. It's a win, a situation where both parties win, where we can collect, where both parties get a chance to collect the wins of that relationship. And both parties get a chance to turn that buying decision into into a opportunity for growth. That's awesome. I mean, how more, much more powerful would it have been if your leader would have said to you, hey, don't forget, tomorrow, Gen 1, it doesn't all start over again. Everything you've deposited in these relationships up to this point still matters. Right. That's new year, about- new skills. Imagine, what if he just said to me, look, Jimmy, how'd you do it? Right. What if he got the best, what if he got the top five people in the company together and said, get, you know, everybody get together. How'd you do it? Let's mm. write the playbook. Let's <laughs> share this wisdom, this knowledge. Mm. Let's get all of us excelling instead of reverting. Cause he didn't value it. He didn't value the knowledge. All he mm-hmm. was, was carrot stick guy, which mm-hmm. is like the easiest thing to do in sales. When you hire and develop a team of people who believe their self-worth is wrapped up in the wins and losses. But that's not a team that can deliver value. That's a team that can only deliver that kind of uh, zero-sum game to your customers. It's not a team that's going to respect your brand. It's not a team that's going to make the next sale easier. That's a team that's going to make the next sale harder. And the most sociopathic person gets promoted to lead. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah, this is like this is like a bad dream for anybody listening right now who's going <laughs> to live this, right? So I guess the coming back to the back to the beginning premise that we started with is this idea that walking the talk, right? You can't lead somebody along a path uh, that you are unwilling to walk. 
So this idea of pursuing mastery in sales, mastery in leadership, mastery in sales leadership is this idea of thinking about you as as somebody who has the ability to develop new skills, new capabilities, uh, to practice those, to share those. Somebody who looks at the world as a place of abundance, not a place of scarcity. Uh, Someone who wants to play a positive sum game where both parties or all parties in the transaction win, they gain from the transaction, right? There's an exchange of value. You give me money, I give you service. I take that money, invest in my company and grow. You take my service, invest that in your company and grow. Why not? And then the way you foster that connection is by approaching the buying cycle in a way that uh, from a perspective that says, I'm going to understand this person so I can decide whether or not there's any value there for me to deliver. To be able to do that, you have to be willing to walk away from that relationship if you're not the right fit. Now, you can't make that decision too soon, right? We don't want, we're not looking for people to walk away from, but we also don't want to burn our time uh, by bringing somebody to the pipeline who ultimately is not going to buy, who ultimately might buy and not be a good customer, or somebody who might buy and at a, such a low margin that they're not even worth having in the organization. For what? Let's start with exactly who we, the de- definition of the buyer that we actually want. Let's develop a list of questions or a series of questions that allow us to understand that buyer, not just understand them as a human being, but understand how they are going to make their buying decision, walk them through a very um, purposeful process. Chris, you keep referring to the WINS model, which we're going to get into in subsequent um, sessions and more with more depth. We're building interest. <laughs> says we're teasing. <laughs> and then, and, and do it from a sincere place of, you know, coming to a successful buying decision, right? So we like to think about sales as moving somebody to change. But at the end of the day, your goal as a salesperson is achieving a successful buying decision. One that's successful for them as well as for you. And they are not a client to be sold to, but a person to be studied. And the rest takes care of itself from there, man. What a fun, what a fun ride today. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for listening. If you've learned something or were inspired to try something new, please rate the podcast and share this episode with someone you know. If you'd like to learn more, visit and connect with me, James, at floristgroup.com, F-L-O-R-I-S-S group.com. And if you want to connect with me, Chris, check out SightShift, S-I-G-H-T, shift.com. Peace. Peace.